Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. Yeah, I've uh, I've not been on for so long. But we've missed you, Ed. I know, I know, I know. I know these things. You know these things. So, uh, what's been happening, mate? What's been going on? Are we recording? Do you not know my sneaky little intros nowadays? <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't even sneaky there. That was like full stealth mode, as though you like popped out of the shadows and were just like, um, "Hey, so uh, what's going on?" <laughs> I, I, I expected more of an innuendo of like rape or something popped out the shadows and slipped one inside. Well, no, you, it wasn't quite that in me. <laughs> uh... <laughs> what a way to enter this podcast. <laughs> Um, what was the question again? What, what, <laughs> uh, no, what have you been up to since you've been on the last episode, which I don't even know when it would have been. Yeah, I was just trying to think. It's probably been, I reckon, five or six episodes. That's five or six weeks. So our listenership has probably gone up because I think finally he's fucked off. Yeah. Um, no, no, I'm still about. Um, it's just been quite busy at work at the moment, really. Um, we have opened a lot of shops <laughs> so with me basically overseeing all the shops that means a lot of overseeing and setting up and stuff so I've just been working far too much 50 60 70 hours and then coming home to do nutrition um yeah it's just uh, a lot of work um really feels what else have we been yeah thanks cheers mate thanks I can uh, sense it in your voice uh, <laughs> um what else have we been doing not a lot, really. Um, losing lots of hockey games. <laughs> um, hanging out. Hanging out with my wang out. That's about it, really. Uh, okay. yeah. Interesting. Pretty boring at the moment. Um, well, I like to sometimes... My, my life can get in a similar uh, format of just kind of feels like you're just working and doing stuff and, you know, weekends come and you don't do a lot and then you're working and doing stuff. And it's like, oh. But I don't really see it as obviously boring. I see it more as kind of um, structural habits and just kind of plod along nicely. Yeah, it's I, when it's busy. I do find it quite exciting. Actually, I just like I feel as though I'm um, achieving something. I feel as though I'm, I'm on like a mission. Um, so when things are really really quiet, that that is boring. Um, but at the same time, though, like uh, so, I did. Oh, what did I do? I did like couple of 13 hour shifts and then i did like an 18 hour shift and then this was all in a row and then obviously like doing nutrition on top of that as well so it was more like well more than that um working hours in the day so and then trying to play hockey on top of that uh and i woke up last friday and i felt like i had a horrific hangover like really bad felt sick was just like couldn't open my eyes didn't want to get out of bed and i was staying in a hotel as well and um I was just like, right, okay, I'm going to go downstairs and just have some breakfast. I've had a shower. Um, and I was supposed to be working in one of the shops in the morning because they were really short staffed. And I was up in York and I, I went down for breakfast and somebody had had a kippers. I mean, that's a pretty selfish breakfast because they absolutely stink. Um, and that was it. That just made me feel so sick. Um, and then the, the, the restaurant where the, the breakfast is, is normally really, really nice. And I was really looking forward to the scrambled eggs because uh, they're really good. And I uh, had my scrambled eggs, started eating it, and they'd cooked it in the same pan as the kippers. And it just had this, like, fishy tinge to the flavor. 
which was just it, it like I nearly spewed everywhere. Got to the shop and then you know when you start sweating and your mouth starts to saliva loads. Um, and this shop's quite small, and I honestly thought I was going to throw up in the middle of the shop. Um, it was pretty disgusting. So um, working is all good until you make yourself ill because you've worked too much. Um, yeah, but no, I know what you mean, though, setting up habits, and that's so, so key, knowing, right, okay, like at the moment I just have the same breakfast every single day just because I know then I don't, I'm not tempted to go and have some, like, triple sausage and egg McMuffin because you can add an extra sausage to a double sausage and egg McMuffin. Um, you, I've heard you like more than one sausage. Well, you know, three at a time is my kind of game, you know. Well, three holes, <laughs> three sausages. Um, yeah, so uh, so yeah, so I, uh, I, I sort of have the habit in place of right the same breakfast and then I always try and have a similar lunch and then that way I know kind of roughly roughly where my calories are at for the day. Um, the big thing for me is is training, just not training enough at the moment, but I'm sacrificing some gym time for hockey time. So I'm hockey training once a week, I'm playing once a week and I'm gymming minimum once a week. I'm hoping to get there twice a week and then some weeks I'm even hockey training twice a week. So it's a bit of sacrifice for one or the other. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just like you say, trying to build those habits in of right. Okay, I finish work at this time on this day, so I can go to the gym. Yeah, uh, L- lucky yeah. enough, obviously the required minimum, uh, or as like my kids would put it, obviously the minimum um, effective volume MEV is pretty low. So, like even if you manage to go once a week, if you manage to get enough volume in in that session, so you you know have a decent enough time for a session, you're probably ticking over enough. Without, I mean, you're probably not losing any muscle at all, really. If you probably maintain it quite, quite easily. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, it's it's hard to train legs properly whilst playing hockey because the DOMs are just a bitch. Um, and having that, it's not even just that. That some people are. Oh, I can't can't play sport and do legs because I'm achy. It's it's not that for me really. Um, it's more. Like when I start sprinting repeatedly, I just do not have it in the tank, and that's yeah. what annoys me the most. Yeah. Um, I, I just know I, my legs aren't there. Yeah, I used to get that football. So when I used to play football Saturdays and Sundays, I used to play twice at a weekend. Um, and then I would try and do a leg session on a Tuesday and a Thursday. And I'll be mm. honest, like, I could just, but certainly once you start to kind of, you know, uh, adapt to it, you'd get used to it a bit, but you never had that pop in your legs. Whenever you wanted to, you never have that extra tiny bit of extra, you know, acceleration or a bit of an extra gear that you'd you'd get when you're fresh, because you just constantly yeah. got a, a slight low level of fatigue all the time. Because you can never recover enough um, when you mm. try and do it. And I, even when I went down to one leg session a week, it still didn't really do too much. So that's a, in, in all honesty, that's kind of why I gave up playing football in the end, because it's got to a point where I was kind of a bit tired and it was affecting my gym progress more than. My my gym was affecting my football, and uh, yeah. I kind of had to pick one or the other. And I went with obviously bodybuilding instead of uh, football. So yeah, you must have been really shit at football then if you uh, pick yeah. bodybuilding over it. Yeah, I know, mate. Yeah, no. <laughs> mate, I've captained every single football side I've ever played at. Like that's how nice. good I am. Um, I have won play the league for I've played the season at least once for every football team I've ever played for. Um, I just play for really shit football team. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I play for the sixth team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, no, no. It was, to be fair, I was like, no, I wasn't great any any um, stretch of the imagination, but played a right level for local standard stuff. So, mm. 
it's, it's more about the enjoyment and fun that you know if you're not playing at county level or national level or, or you know top top tier it's more about the fun and enjoyment i i think yeah because um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're kind of yeah definitely definitely um because we're kind of like in a bit of a catch 22 type thing with hockey at the moment like we're at a pretty high level um we're only for a second team like cause I play, i'm captain of the second team and for a second team we're i think three leagues off playing national league which mm. is like playing premiership football so yeah. for a second team to be playing that our first team is one one league down one league below national league so it's kind of where you have to be taking it seriously um so not having the drive in the legs you know being undernourished um being tired um it just it all affects things so like uh when i was i had a couple of really stupid working weeks i was playing like absolute dog shit like i was honestly tempted to drop myself because i was playing that bad because my decision making was poor my basics were poor because i was just too tired um yeah and i was sort of like i was letting the side down from from overworking myself so that's very noble of you to say mate yeah yeah well you know uh, everybody else says it so i've got got to admit it (laughs) i wasn't the first one to say it i just i just know the reasons why so yeah, yeah, no, I, I know I'm not the world's best, but uh, yeah. So I suppose all this gym talk um, is might be a good thing to talk about. Yeah, well, we obviously are a nutrition podcast, so it's not like we've really talked about this too much because obviously most of our stuff is focused on nutrition or nutrition for training. But we actually all like to train um, where we can. Obviously, Paul's taking a bit of a break at the moment. Uh, Matt likes to get his 10-minute sessions in when he can. Uh, and obviously, me, you, Johnny, like to train. And Fran loves to train, spends 17 hours in the gym at a time. So, you know, we all like to train. Uh, I think, I know if we, well, most most of us are all qualified personal trainers as well. So it's not like we don't know what necessarily we're talking about. Even if it's that kind of strength condition is not necessarily our specialties, because obviously we are mostly nutritionists. Um, we, just liked, we just thought actually be a good episode to talk about actual training and what matters you know what i find really interesting as well when it comes to training um you talk to pts and they've obviously gone through the same shit pt course that every other pt has gone through and it teaches you how to warm up how to cool down how to make a very basic plan and you know most of them are also wrong as well but anyway yeah 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 exactly whereas I've never done a PT qualification, but my training knowledge, my training um, practical experience has all come from working with like the best researchers, the best people, uh, you know, with, with the best brains, should we say. Um, like, I didn't learn to deadlift from a, a handbook given to me by some overweight person behind a desk doing a PT course. I learned to deadlift from Brett Contreras, who is like one of the leading biomechanists in anything to do with a hip hinge. <laughs> um, but the thing, the, yeah. the thing is that like the irony of, of a lot of that stuff is you don't even like the, the, the future fit course I did years ago. It's not like you even get taught movement patterns in most of them. It's like, it's ridiculous really the like in a six-week course you don't even get taught how to deadlift 
So it's not mm. like you can really say like, okay, this is this is how the movement pattern goes because you don't even get taught that level of detail in it. So it's fucking mad, really. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. And I bet like a few words that we're going to cover today, I bet I never covered it in that handbook. And I bet if you went to the people who wrote the handbook, wouldn't have a clue. No, um, no not the yeah. slightest. Not the slightest. I mean, I'm obviously um like like a lot of the other guys in our lot where we obviously paid a significant amount of money to obviously do cpd and develop more and obviously i've gone through the the sbs or shredded by science academy more recently and obviously that had so much more stuff in it in terms of um scientific obviously knowledge of training nutrition um obviously programming uh specifically for bodybuilding and powerlifters obviously a lot of the content in there is obviously dr eric helms and uh dr mike zordos obviously covers a lot of the stuff in there but there's just so much more detail in that and applicability stuff as well. So if anyone is interested in anything for like a PT qualification, like SBS is probably as good as you're going to get, I think, out there. Um, mm. I don't think there's I don't think anyone, I don't know, another single. I, actually, well, I suppose, actually, I'll take that back. I suppose the new stuff from um, Greg at Lift the Bar, I suppose. Lift the yeah, Bar. I was about to say that. Yeah, yeah, I don't, obviously, I've not been through their course or seen it, but knowing how good Greg and obviously the standards Chris Burgess obviously sets, I imagine it's pretty damn good. Um, so they're obviously another, another. But I don't, I don't. I'll be honest. I don't know enough about their course content to know what they specialise in or what they, what it's really kind of aimed for. Because obviously, you would say with SBS, it's probably really focused on. Well, there is obviously a lot of applicability for just general personal training, but two out of the four modules are very much like one of them is focused purely on bodybuilding and one of them is purely focused on powerlifting. So obviously, there is a lot of contest prep style whether whatever type of contest it is there's a lot of content press uh, content contest contest prep. prep thank you contest prep uh in there so i don't know whether i, I assume lift the bars one won't be quite as detailed in in that niche there'll be more around general personal training and probably gen pop type of stuff i'd imagine because obviously that's what i understand certainly chris's but like greg's um, I suppose target target audience or all that type of stuff can usually aimed at. So I imagine their course as well will be quite similar, um, like to basically your general PTs. But mm, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I'd, I'd say they're more aimed at that. But anyway, yeah, you're gonna learn a ton by it. if you're interested in training, like going on those sorts of courses. Even if you're, you have no interest in being a PT or coaching or helping anybody, they're just great to kind of learn. Uh, but learn things for yourself and I think that's where a lot of people actually start out is by trying to learn stuff for themselves really enjoy it and think oh you know what? I, just, I want to help people and that's I think how most people get into the industry yeah. I think uh, the, the irony is if you go to the right people like you know talking about your, what the example you were then using if you go to the right people you'll learn more from YouTube from people's articles from uh, even people's Instagram you'll learn more from them you will do off a six week PT course so you'll, yeah, know, exactly. you'll know more than most personal trainers like you know a lot of people that have kind of gone into the right evidence-based crowd they'll know more than most personal trainers without even any qualifications ironically mm-hmm. so and you probably say the same about nutrition as well um, yeah <laughs> but still um okay cool so uh where where were we up to so i guess we want to talk about training um and i suppose what what actually matters because there is a lot of different training types i mean i suppose let's just actually go back a step and just quantify i guess most of our stuff is going to talk around uh training for let's say muscle building um or not necessarily strictly what people would know as or like hypertrophy but because obviously we'll just use muscle building as a catch-all term for hypertrophy strength or just you know what a lot of people might consider so gym pop might think 
you know, improving your body comp or, you know, just getting more muscular or however you want to put it. I don't, like, obviously I don't want to get sort of bogged down by the annoyances of like, oh, hypertrophy training versus strength training. And obviously we can touch on them, but when I'm using the term like, you know, like, you know, uh, what, what do we just say? Like build a muscle, uh, you know, kind of want to almost say it as it is rather than, you know, the specifics. Does that make sense? Yeah, let's not get bogged down in the fancy words. Let's yeah. just keep it simple. We're, we're simple men, so let's keep it simple. That's definitely true. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. So, but I suppose just on that though, it's okay. We might talk about muscle building and things like that because that is kind of a big key interest in ours. But pretty much everything we're going to talk about, you could relate to things like swimming, running. You could relate it to doing stuff for team sport. You could relate it to to so many different things. All right, there's a few bits that you can't, but yeah. um, on the whole. Um, you can you can take the key themes and relate it to whatever you're training. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a lot of the facts or principles will definitely be applicable. So, um, I, I thought probably a good place to start, considering we were related to weight training. So maybe I should use the word uh, the term weight training rather than muscle building, because I guess that's what I mean. Because um, obviously, weight training then can incorporate all of the different things, like i.e., muscle building or strength or whatever. Because obviously, there are some uh, differences between which we'll touch on, I suppose, at some point. Hopefully, during a chat. Um, and obviously just warn people this is probably going to be pretty fluid it's going to be pretty chatty and not so structured because we just thought we'd just have a, a, a chat about it didn't we mate yeah yeah so who doesn't like to talk about training exactly i love it um so i suppose i i thought a good place to start is kind of the three mechanisms for um growing muscle so this is probably where it does get quite specific i suppose out so so this is probably more for how do you get big muscles and not necessarily how do you get strong so um i don't i don't even think big muscles just how do you get muscles if you're not doing these things you're never even going to tone up you're never even going to yeah get sorry. that kind yeah. of that's probably good saying yeah because it's great yeah because yeah. so, i could probably put people off by saying big muscles because some people might be like i don't want big muscles i just want to be toned like you say and actually it's probably unfair yeah. of me or it's, it's misleading me to say big muscles because to be honest i have been trying to get big muscles for a while and <laughs> most people will probably look at me and go no not big muscles just you know any muscle will do toned yeah, yeah, toned. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> brett's mate, still waiting for his newbie games <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd take toned if i'm honest if told <laughs> me, brett you look toned i'd be like yes i've made it <laughs> 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 um so the three so the three things we're going to talk about are and maybe we'll, i'll just we'll, i'll say them we'll go through them each one what they mean i suppose and uh, how relevant they are so i guess like the main main three things that we talk about and these i don't know if they originated from schoenfeld so brad schoenfeld is a leading researcher in hypertrophy and um muscle building i suppose he i think i don't know whether he coined them uh, terms i don't really know actually this is i should really probably know this but i know obviously he's, he's quite famous for bringing them up or, or reviewing them in one of his um papers or studies that was in the the um oh what was it that's the journal of it must, it must be just journal of strength and conditioning i think isn't it journal of yeah, muscles yeah i think it's just the uh, journal of strength and conditioning yeah it is um so yeah so basically the three the three things that through a review of 200 and how many did i say 205 studies or something yeah 205 studies and obviously looking about what they all kind of tried to show for mechanisms of muscle growth the the three things that he came up with are the three important factors were mechanical tension metabolic stress and uh muscular damage so essentially what he's saying is those three things have to happen to elicit hypertrophy or you know what layman's term is uh just growing muscles 
getting big muscles or toned muscles or whatever muscles you'll need. If you want big muscles, you probably need some steroids or really good fucking genetics. Let's just put it like that. But if you kind of want, to, and obviously it depends on what your definition or your views of big muscles are, because um, we we were joking around, weren't we, on uh, WhatsApp, where uh, I last night with my mate Benny watched the Ross, Ronnie Coleman, uh, who was a eight-time Mr. Olympia champion, fucking humongous and an absolutely beast of an athlete. But it's just funny how they never mentioned drugs once in this entire thing, when obviously um, it's an untested fed uh, and. Uh, they're all on lots and lots of drugs because, and they are ginormous. Most people would look at them and think they're definitely taking steroids because they're huge. Um, but I did think to myself, they never mentioned drugs. And if people didn't know this, they might not, some people might not um, know that actually it does take steroids to get that big. They might think, oh, if I list a few weights, that's how big I'll get. So that's what I mean about your perception of what big muscles are. Like, I don't want you to think like, oh, is it big muscles means you're going to end up looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger did in 1960 or how big obviously Roddy Coleman did um, you know in the in the 90s so on the late Arnie 90s. took Decker and a bit of Tren I know that I'm from one of his mates yeah I bet you probably took a bit more than that based on have you ever watched um, uh, have you watched uh, Pumping Iron Pumping Iron yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Have you, well did, no because I went I, I did a, a tr- so this is going back to the I have trained with the best in the world. Um, Tom Platts. I did a, a, leg day, a leg day with Tom Platts, who was a mate of, as Arnie was just peaking and dipping, he was just coming up. And then about three years after Arnie won his last title, Tom Platts won. Um, and he, so he, he trained with Arnie a lot. He still trains with Arnie now. Um, and he was saying that's all he took was Decker and a bit of trend. Yeah, well, based on the level of training that you watch in Pumped Iron, they're taking a bit more because they're fucking huge, bear now shit their training <laughs> looks. Honestly, there's this, there's a bit where obviously like Louis Ferrigno, I think, is on there doing like uh, overhead press or something, and he's got like about a three inch range of motion, and it's just and obviously it's all it's all leg drive, like he's doing more like power presses really. Um, it's all leg drive, just like jumping up and down. I think. How the fuck are you so massive when your training form looks so terrible? You know, you watch genetics. Yeah, great genetics. Clearly, to be fair, great genetics has to play a big role, even with steroid users. But um, you know, like they're they're obviously taking a fair amount of drugs to get that big. Um, Mm. Because to be honest, like their form was terrible. But anyway, by the by, the by. (laughs) Apparently, the 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 squatting he does in the video with that that uh, other chap Arnie, um, like apparently he just never trained legs and he only did that for the cameras. Yeah, he was still squatting like three or four plays. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't remember who it was. He wasn't training with anybody particularly well known, I don't think. But no. he, uh, yeah, yeah, there was the squat there, there was yeah. a there was a squat scene. Yeah, I remember with yeah. Arnie standing behind yeah. him, going one more, one more, one more. Yeah, go. and I think all for the cameras. Yeah. Like he, they barely ever train legs. Yeah, to be fair, actually, that was probably the one. The, the squat actually wasn't that bad. I remember watching that bit, thinking yeah. his, his squatting was all right. But a lot of like even Arnie's, a lot of his bits, I was thinking, fucking hell, mate, seriously, how are you so big? beautiful chest yeah yeah yeah, he did um okay so um let's go for each one so because obviously a lot of people are thinking like mechanical tension metabolic stress and muscle damage is probably quite descriptive but what the fuck do the others mean so um let's start with mechanical tension just because it's probably in my eyes like the key the key factor really Uh, because i guess there's also sorry just before we do go on there's some debate around how much cause like there's there's still loads of debate even though we've got lots of data and science and research on some of them and obviously i'm not pretending to be an expert but there's there's still some debate around which ones are kind of like more important than the others or which ones are maybe a 
primary fact in the ones are more result of another if that makes sense mm. so yeah yeah so i suppose with uh tension mechanical tension we're talking about mm-hmm. yeah so uh so with this one this i think for me is pretty key this is something that when you first start going to the gym you don't realize and this is the mind muscle connection this is the squeezing the muscle this is the focus on what you're trying to grow focus on what you're trying to train so we've all seen and we've also all been the guy who does the dumbbell curls which he's got more of a hip swing than a crossfitter doing pull-ups um more of a an arm swing than a guy like navigating a plane um yeah we've all been that guy haven't we where we like swing the dumbbell up because we're trying to lift too heavy um you can guarantee in that that lift there the amount of bicep that's been used in comparison to your front delts bit of lats like leg drive hip thrust all those sorts of things um your biceps probably the thing you're working the least um so this would be the way you say drop the weight down focus more on the the squeeze of the muscle focus more on the um making sure the right muscles working so if you're trying to train a bicep but if you're trying to train your biceps make sure you're doing a bicep curl which hurts your biceps or that you feel it in your biceps that you feel the pull in your biceps and you're not feeling it anywhere else um same with if you were doing a um uh tricep push down if you end up like if you if you get a lap pump from doing tricep push downs or pull downs um then you are not training your triceps you're training your lats um yeah if you're doing lat pull downs yet you've got an ab burn because you're crunching every time at the end uh you're not training your lats you're you're training your abs so it's being it's making sure you're training the muscle the specific muscle to what you're trying to train with that exercise um and if you have that mechanical tension um and if you're squeezing the muscle and you're you're making sure that that muscle is engaged throughout the exercise that is going to cause so much more growth than the person who's not sure what they're doing swinging a weight round yeah i hope that in somewhat layman terms explains tension yeah so i mean just to add to it so i kind of look at mechanical tension as um basically the the force that you're exerting over that muscle while it's stretching and um contracting contracting yeah sorry yeah fix the word uh stretching contraction over time over, over the a rep or a force and i guess obviously that you can then start to bring into like range of motion and that to obviously depend upon what how how much of your maximum or, or uh, not maximum um what's the word i'm looking for your active range of motion is uh kind of used how much force you're doing over that whole active range of motion so like the example of your bicep curl obviously i guess you could use that and say look um if you're kind of you know holding a barbell or a dumbbell say and you're lowering a bicep you're lowering the, the weight down to like halfway down your to, towards your hip and then up again and you're not actually fully extending the, your arm and therefore utilizing the, the full range of motion on your bicep you're not yeah jack as, jackson yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um then you're you're not utilizing all of the mechanical tension that you could get on that muscle because you're only using half of the range. So um, that's that consideration you've got to take into account. I guess. And also, yeah, I was going to say on 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 that point, which is a fantastic point. Sometimes you can 
uh, go past the range of motion. So with some exercising, I'm very quickly trying to. It, it, it's more so. Um, I, I, a good is a good one. So that's why I use the word active. So one thing that really annoys me is when I see people do like dumbbell chest flies. Um, and that's, sorry, say annoys me. It doesn't annoy me. Like yes. basically, it's something that often you see a lot of people do. And they so you know what a dumbbell chest fly is, obviously, or most sorry, say you Ed, I mean, as in people listening, people listening probably know what a dumbbell chest fly is. Uh, and obviously, you, you see people lying on a bench, and you know they'll get a pair of dumbbells and they'll put them up above their their chest, above their head, and they'll obviously lower them out wide, um, or lowering the weights down, and then as they'll come back up, they'll then just clink the dumbbells together again, and then down, yeah. and then come back up and clink dumbbells together again, and then down, so like in a butterfly motion almost. And what they don't seem to realise is that obviously gravity only pulls one way. So as their arms go wide and out, there is obviously tension across the pet muscles as they stretch. And then when they bring it in, as soon as the dumbbell kind of almost goes um, directly vertical above them, the tension on their pec is going to basically disappear because all of a sudden, all of the weight has been held by their bone structure because gravity goes downwards. And obviously yep. not on their pec, which is what they're trying to put the tension on, i.e. the mechanical tension, because they're trying to force their muscle to grow. Um, and that annoys when you see people do that, just keep clinking the dumbbells together. and Because effectively what they're doing is they're just giving themselves a bit of a rest at the top end of the motion and then down again. And generally the reason they're doing that is because either A, they don't know any better, or B, they've just probably got too heavy weights most likely and they're, they're obviously needing to, to kind of get this rest. Um, so cause what they should really do is bring the weight up to just just before kind of square above their their chest and then back down again so you never get you're probably about a foot apart the dumbbells the entire time they'll never touch because obviously if you keep them outside of you like if you draw a line directly up from your body you obviously the people can't see this on a progress, but line directly just up your body, just you, wider just, than your shoulders yeah just wider than your just, shoulders yeah. you'd probably just kind of come up there because that's where the tension is going to constantly be on your body and i guess there is an argument around constant tension on muscles because i've had plenty of people debate like uh, you could use like um, a leg extension for quads or something like is there anything wrong with like resting after doing a, a rep on a, a when I say resting like you know a lot of people say you should never you know, if you do a leg extension extend your leg and then you should never let it stop at the bottom so because otherwise you're releasing the tension on on your on your quads and you want constant tension bro it's like yeah there is an element of that but actually what happens if you can do eight reps on something with constant tension but if you did just kind of set the weight down and go again immediately you could do 12 it's like would you not be better off doing 12 because you're getting more mechanical tension you're getting more volume yeah i think so you're getting more volume aren't you definitely yeah yeah so they're, they're, do you know go on. So do you know the reason why i don't fully extend on a leg extension machine well it's not more fully extend it's more fully contract so as, as i mean like resting at the bottom yeah yeah um but yeah so that's what i mean fully extend so fully extend the, the knee joint um it's because we've all seen those videos of the snap city where their knees go the wrong way uh, oh, that's why you're, sorry, yeah. no you're talking about, leg, you're, talking about you're talking about leg press mate <laughs> sorry leg press oh god <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry i just got that video in my head and i was like right that's yeah <laughs> that, yeah that's disgusting i've seen that one of the, i think it's a woman in it where she i think one i've seen is a woman where uh yeah she obviously um basically locks out the knee joint on the extension of a, of a leg press and obviously the knee then locks out and instead of uh bending the right way it bends the wrong way <laughs> oh my days that must be pretty um, painful yeah that. sorry no, on, on yeah the leg extension so yeah so to, to fully flexing the knee joint bringing it all the way down letting yeah. the stack rest yeah. um personally i wouldn't let the stack touch but i would come down past the point of 
where you can really feel yeah. the pull but across. You're, quads. If, if, if you don't, if you don't have the stack touch, you're still going to have some level of tension because you're having to hold yeah. it with your legs. So, like, I'm not saying there's a right and necessarily wrong on that because obviously it's also going to be exercise dependent to a certain extent. A lot of that stuff. Um, it's probably to be honest. Those examples of the chest fly compared mm-hmm. to a leg extension are probably two different examples because. Um, yeah, I think they're just they're probably slightly different examples, but I just think like obviously there is a debate around. So I'm not I'm I'm not I don't think we're a hundred percent like this is how it must be done and this is how it not it shouldn't be done. Uh, I just think maybe these concepts are, are things the way people should think about exercises. Maybe is probably the 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 more poignant point. Um, yeah, because yeah, basically yeah. if you're just going into a gym and you're just swinging shit around or you don't even really know why you're doing stuff. There's probably um, an argument that you're not going to get the best out of it. You should probably be trying to think about why you're doing stuff. And these types of thought processes are, uh, are probably really useful for people to get better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If you don't know what an exercise is training, and if you just say, this exercise is training back, and you're not sure what part of your back, you don't have to know the like correct anatomical word for it, the exact muscle. But as long as you know, right, okay, this exercise is training my pits under my armpits, those the wing bits, you know, your lats. Um, if you don't necessarily know what you're, you're talking about, sort of like muscle name-wise, that's fine. It's just as long as you know what muscle, you know, on your body you are training. So um, if you're doing lat pull-down, you're saying, oh, well, it's training my lower back. Well, maybe you're doing the wrong exercise for, for that if that's what you wanted to train. Um, or, if, or you did it wrong. Yeah, yeah, well, you're doing it very wrong. Yeah, you're one of those guys who has to swing back to pull the weight down. Yeah. Uh, you basically want to be doing a parallel might row do, or something. Might do like a cable row, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I think um, I, I think no, I think your leg extension, not leg press, leg extension, uh, is a good example of saying right, okay, well, you've got to think about it a little bit more than just up and down, up and down, up and down. Um, if you're just whizzing the weight up, you see loads of people with it quite light whizzing the weight up. Well, next time you do that, do the same weight, but squeeze your quads as you do it. Make sure that you're actually working your quads because same with the the hamstring curl. Um, you see so many people like flopping around on the machine, like lifting their ass up off it, all this sort of stuff. And you're like, well, make sure you're just squeezing your hamstrings like you would do a bicep when you're doing a bicep curl. Um, and you're going to feel that that exercise so much more whether you do come all the way up and touch the stack down if you squeeze on every single rep you are going to feel that exercise 10 times more and just kind of on that what i'm talking about squeezing um if you do that to warm up so sometimes like i don't know if you've ever had this where you do bench press and you're thinking like afterwards you think oh god my shoulders hurt quite a bit um or i've really felt that in my shoulders it's because your chest isn't activated so sometimes it's always good to do a few activation sets before you do your proper sets or your working sets um so if you're say doing like i'm doing three sets on this exercise just do one or two exercises first especially if you haven't trained that muscle group yet uh, on that day um, just to activate that muscle. So that means lots of squeezing, slowly releasing the muscle as well as you're lowering the weight, those sorts of things. Um, just to really activate it, then you know the blood is pumping to the right area, your mind and that muscle is connected well, and then you know when you do those working sets, you will be training the proper muscle and not just training whatever thing is um, is willing to work at the time. Yeah, I guess that just comes down to like 
proper form, um, or I sometimes use the like the term "good to perfect form" because I don't think there's any such thing as perfect form necessarily. Um, although some people might argue, but I think one obviously everyone's anatomy is different and forms gonna look a little bit different. From there's obviously a certain base of form that everyone should aspire to, but I think everyone's gonna be a bit different based on their own individual anatomy. Um, and also, I think there's a bit of a tolerance in terms of how perfect the form can be and that will even change from workout or from um even like intercession um so from workout to workout or even it's from from into intercessions because at the start of a session you can obviously be less fatigued and might have slightly better form i know a lot of people that argue you want timeless form your form at the first rep should be the same as the the last rep which i think is a good way to work and i think something people should again should aspire to but i think there's a bit more to it that there should be a bit more of a tolerance within a tolerance level um if that makes sense so like for like rep one is is you know rep 10 of after from rep one might look a bit different but should still be within a tolerable level if that if that kind of makes sense in my opinion um anyway okay so mechanical tension um as we've said is kind of basically your volume i suppose so how much volume you're doing how much tension you're putting across the muscle for its full range um and i guess that is essentially worked out by your um i suppose the the weight on the bar and how many so your volume how many sets and reps you're doing so that's kind of like your main and that's kind of why we say it's your key factor because that's really been like volume especially has been touted really as the the most key factor or determiner of hypertrophy so how much muscle you're going to build so the amount of volume you're exerting over time and obviously that's going to be again different for individuals so the amount of um sets reps sets times reps or sets times reps by weight so i guess volume is, as well if we're not so touching this while i'm talking about it, it can be worked out quite uh, differently depending upon who you are so some people be like sets times reps some people just be like actually your volume just your uh, number of difficult sets um, some people go to, and this is probably what I prefer personally, but some people actually use your volume as your, your sets times reps times your actual load, your times your weight. So you can actually then come up with like a tonnage or a poundage. So, you know, 10 reps times 100 kilos obviously is a 1,000 kilos of, of volume almost. Um, so obviously there's a lot of people can work out different ways of, of attributing volume, but essentially like that's the, the amount of volume you're doing is going to be the most determining factor of uh, muscle growth according to research so hopefully Ed's, Ed's on, not on mute but we know he is because he's talking at a camera and yeah beautiful beautiful, beautiful 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 <laughs> <laughs> I um, yeah no I, I like that yeah, yeah. So um, what that means is he wasn't listening, so he doesn't can't disagree because he doesn't know what I said. You weren't too much. So anyway, so uh, mechanical tension. Hopefully that kind of, in a very layman's terms, makes sense to people. So uh, metabolic stress is more around because uh, I guess some people, if you didn't know the difference, be like, oh, metabolic stress. That is um, that's the same, isn't it? You know, that sounds like you know strip the amount of stress so the amount of load we're putting on our muscles and that's not to, to like i suppose uh actually true so metabolic stress is more around um i don't really have to, def to, to define it really uh, metabolic stress is more around build up of metabolites yeah, within the muscle. there we go so that's probably the best way to do it so i was going to say like metabolic stress is usually something that you then start to incorporate things like your your pump work so higher rep training or, or drop sets or cluster sets or stuff that basically puts a lot of blood through the muscle creates a pump 
and like you say, then I suppose builds up this this um, load of metabolites. And there's some uh, lots of evidence or data now to show that these uh, build up metabolites could be then signaling things to cause extra hypertrophy or muscle growth. Um, although I think it's one of those things where that's kind of more in the intermittent stuff. So I don't think it's that's not. So basically, what I'm saying is you couldn't do something. You couldn't do metabolite work only and do that. Uh, longer term and then that continue to get um, hypertrophy or muscle growth because I think it's something that kind of a bit more intermittent or needs to be used more intermittently to be effective otherwise it kind of loses its effect yeah so it's the it's the reason why hopefully anybody who knows anything about programming knows that you need to do some higher rep work and some lower rep work um, because you need that 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 mix of different stimulus Um, so you're not going to cause so basically when, when when you're training you want to cause micro tears um in the muscle those micro tears build back up and that's kind of how how muscle kind of builds um in the very very simplest of forms and having those metabolites present can sort of help with that process um so but if you're lifting the pink one kg and you're doing 100 reps with it yeah you might get a bit of a pump especially if you're really squeezing the muscle um but how much sort of micro damage have you done to that muscle? Probably next to nothing. You've just built up blood in the muscle and built up a bit of lactic acid. So you can sometimes mistake like a lactic acid buildup to a, a, like a metabolite buildup. Yeah. Um, so that is why we say you, know, you need to mix in the heavy stuff with the lighter stuff. So typically, if you were if you were creating a good program, you might do something that's in the I don't know three to eight rep range somewhere around there so you might do five reps six reps seven reps something like that on bench press or whatever and then you do some lighter stuff to, to create more volume um and to create that that metabolite build up um and this is why kind of that that's one reason why uh you would do heavier and lighter stuff because you need to cause those micro tears in the muscle if you go and deadlift 200 kilos you're going to be pulling a little bit of something, something, even if it's a you know a good pull or a bad pull. <laughs> you're either going to put your back out or you're going to create some micro tears. <laughs> um, but then also you want to then go and do some isolation work, whether it be I don't know, like a hamstring curl or stiff leg, stiff leg deadlifts. Uh, not really an isolation exercise, but you know just different things to, which are higher reps, which are lighter weights to create more. Um, more stress on the muscle and build up the metabolites and yeah pump work as one would call it hamstrings i think just while we're on it hamstrings are always a hard one to do any i don't think you can really do metabolic training uh, with hamstrings i think it's really difficult i mean you could do like hamstring curls ish but hamstrings for me aren't the sort of muscle groups that you really get a pump from um not so much but i also i don't think people particularly can track them very well they don't get that good squeeze like if you really focus and, and squeeze the shit out of them, like you would do a bicep curl, you get cramp. You, you get cramp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just no, that, you, that, you that, don't get like a sick bicep pump on your hamstrings, do you? Because, no. but I, I think maybe the muscle is too stringy, too long. Um, yeah, I think I definitely think it's the type of muscle that works mm. far better in eccentric training. So things like anything where it's loaded stretch so like a you know like you said a, a straight leg or a romanian deadlift or yeah um that type of stuff i think they just tend to it, it it's probably just the type of fibers you get in a hamstring because it's it's rolling um and obviously the way the leg moves i think it's yeah. just 
Yeah, in my opinion, anyway, I think it's just hard to. I mean, obviously, you can try and contract it and squeeze it and try and fill it with with blood, but I just don't think that's the type. Like, basically, when I, I when I try and do any type of metabolic stress training in any of my um, programming, it's always hard to find anything that you can really utilize and do it properly on a hamstring, in my opinion. Like most, like quads, you can obviously just fill up. Like biceps, mm-hmm. you can fill up. Triceps, you can fill up. Chest, you can fill up. Even back. I think hamstrings seem to be the one muscles where a uh, one muscle group where it's just not that easy not no easy. no it's got to be to do with the structure of the, the muscle I, I think it's because it's a long stringy thin muscle it's not I, I imagine if you have have you ever seen uh emil goliath's hamstrings yeah ridiculous isn't it? yeah it's like generally bigger than most people's biceps when he yeah. contracts them i trained legs with him once when he was lean for a show as well and not only like with me full off season was he still have a lot stronger than me but he just he we did a uh standing uh hamstring curl mm-hmm. and so he was wearing short shorts and the, these things just kept popping up and they were generally like bigger than my bicep contracted they just popped out so much and so weirdly so emil if you're listening do you get a hamstring pump because your hamstrings are so big <laughs> um but uh, yeah it's definitely a muscle that's lacking in a lot of people um if you diet people down and 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 try and get them to contract their hamstrings they just don't have any yeah uh, yeah i think um i think it's probably because a lot of people just don't don't actually even f- train them if i'm honest but... no yep they don't activate them very well either i don't think i think that's a big one um and also it's not like it's not something that you could um a laborer their arms will build potentially up to a certain point over time because they're carrying stuff um whereas or say like a ceiling plasterer again their shoulders will be a little broader a little fuller than somebody who doesn't do ceiling plastering say um just from the the nature of their work there isn't a job or an activity really that builds your hamstrings so much um i'm trying to think uh yeah i don't know if there are really many mate either unless you're doing a lot of bending over yeah. Maybe like a strip, I mean, all the slow drops. Yeah, if you do a lot of sprinting, or I don't know, I don't know. Anyway, uh, we're kind of getting off point a bit, I suppose. On it, aren't we? Um, yeah. Anyway, okay. So we're talking about obviously metabolic stress training. So I, I guess people have got the idea, and if people want to know, um, so basically, like the the stress induced mechanisms that are theorized to, to mediate the, the hypertrophic response. Um, basically talking about uh, it's obviously hormonal changes, cell swelling, uh, free radical production of metabolites or other metabolites. Uh, what else did I read? Um, sorry, I've got this off the Schoenfeld paper that I uh, I reference. So, uh, oh yeah, increased activity of growth orientated transcription factors, which I don't even know what they mean. So um, basically, like we say, it's kind of like um, filling the the muscle with different types of uh, metabolites. Is basically supposedly supposed to increase like fiber degradation. That's the word I'm looking for. I'll say the big words. Jesus Christ, I'm really struggling. I've struggled for a while coming out with some of these words in terms of pronouncing. People might notice that on the podcast. I don't know why. Like I think I must get some sort of dyslexia, kind of or intermittent dyslexia. You'd be you'd be shit at reading off an auto key. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Good job I'm not a newsreader. Um, anyway, so this this uh, damage degradation um, is supposed to then potentially be the theory of why then you know kind of get this greater stimulation of hypertrophy. So that's the idea anyway, uh, or an adaptive hypertrophic response. So um, 
last one then was muscle damage and this is why i've kind of left it to last just because i know again there's been a lot of debate around whether muscle damage is a requirement for hypertrophy or whether it's more a symptom and i can see i can kind of like i don't obviously we're not experts but i can even logically i can see the reason why it might be seen as a symptom rather than a requirement so obviously you use the analogy which i think a lot of people will have thought or have heard of before for kind of these micro tears and the damage is then required to get bigger so obviously you kind of create some damage your body then heals it and super adapts to be stronger next time um there is some debate i think in within the experts in the industry to say well actually is damage just along for the ride you know like to cause hypertrophy and growth to you, you need to then get enough metabolic stress and sorry enough mechanical tension i.e volume which will in itself do do some um, metabolic stress anyway, because obviously if you're lifting heavy weights um, or heavy enough weights and doing enough volume, you're going to get some metabolic stress response, regardless of whether it's something kind of like proactively trying to do, i.e. like loads of pump work. Um, so is the damage just just um, along, it just, does it just happen basically because you're having to produce enough volume and stress or is it actually you need to do enough volume of stress to get the damage. Does that make sense? Which way around is it, I think, is the debate. Um, yeah. And I don't think listening to the experts, so obviously I remember a roundtable with Meta Henselman's, Mike Isretel, uh, Dr. Eck Helms. They were all talking about this. And I'll be honest, I think they actually, I think it's one of the few things I heard, and I might, I hope I'm not mis- misrepresenting them here, but I think it's one of the few things that like Helms and Isretel disagreed on in like which way round it is and whether damage is a requirement or whether it's more a symptom of the others. And I don't know the answer. Um, and I'll be honest, I don't think it really matters. Um, and I guess because a lot of people might think, what the fuck do all this mean? What does all this mean anyway? Like you're saying all these things and what does it actually mean for me? Because I guess like, you know, metabolic stress, mechanical tension, muscle damage, what do they even mean? It's kind of like, well, you need all three is the answer. You need all three to happen to basically create uh, muscle hypertrophy so what do they do to do that and I guess maybe that's the way we'll finish this episode on and obviously we've probably left loads that we can talk about but we're what we're nearly an hour in anyway you know, 50 minutes in so we can maybe just finish off like okay well how do you how do you kind of a brief outline of how we can put these three things into practice so how can we actually to do um, or in, encourage these three things to happen um, and then we'll maybe touch on some things that we've left off on another episode yeah, we would probably best talk about in another episode everything we're actually meant to talk about on this episode. Yeah, well, I didn't expect to be uh, back, be rambling for 50 minutes because if not, it's going to end up in a four-hour episode, which no one likes a four-hour episode. So I guess, like, um, I, I suppose we have touched on some of it already. So, like, and I, maybe I just actually just rounded up slightly there with saying, like, look, if for me, the most important thing is mechanical tension because you're kind of almost going to achieve the other two if you're if you're making the most of mechanical tension anyway. So mm. when when so I'm now going to replace mechanical tension with the word volume. Um so if you're training in so we're going to assume people know what exercises do what. We're going to assume people know how to uh correctly perform each exercise um in this kind of good to perfect form. Um and we're going to assume people have got a decent you know, well-programmed uh, training plan. If that's the case, then I guess like mechanical tension um, is all really around the amount of volume that you can do and recover from 
to allow your body then to adapt. Um, so not too much or not too little. And it's not really much more complicated than that, is it? I guess it's got the complicated part is how do people know how much one you do? So you have to get. I was about to say, yeah. Yeah. A lot of people <laughs> say, a lot of people go, well, how many sets and reps should I do? So I guess maybe that's where we end the, this this episode of the podcast and say, look, okay, well, you know, assuming you've got a well-rounded program that you know includes push movements, pull movements, you know, different types of pull movements, legs, um, covering all bases, then, you know, what what rep ranges then matter? So how, what do you do for each one? Um, so personally, if I was scheduling myself or somebody else, I would typically try and do something a bit heavier first um, because it's the most taxing. Um, if you're doing 20 reps, you can always get another couple out. Um, so I typically do something heavier, heavier, whether that be down the lower end, around the three to five or six, kind of around there. Um, I... I one rep maxes have their time and their, their place, but for, for general yeah, when you're muscle power, building... When, you, when you're powerlifting, that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Unless you're doing some sort of like strength cycle where you're doing a bit of 5-3-1, maybe. Um, but I, I've moved away from that. I did used to quite like that. And, you know, you can build some really good strength, but for muscle building, um, I, I prefer to just err on the side of slightly higher reps. Yeah, I, I know obviously we're kind of going slightly off point, but I still don't really see much benefit of having even any singles in anyone's training program, um, even for strength building, unless they're, you know, because testing. of, well, not even really testing. Like when, where, why would you ever need to test? Like why do you, even, unless it's for ego, because you just really, if you like doing it, fucking fine then. You know, I, I want to know how much my true one rep max is. It's almost like, all right, then go ahead. But to be honest, if your goal isn't really that and your goal's more hypertrophy or just kind of just general strength, I don't, I didn't, I don't see we'd ever go down as low as one rep max. I just don't really foresee. No, yeah. Much point. But, when I said testing, I meant for knowing what you were going to lift in a yeah. competition. But, even, uh, even even then, I think I, I mean the way I program and the way I program for clients is, I'll be honest, I just used a, a an estimated, a hypothesized one. You know, I don't I don't ever really know what someone's true one one RM is because you never never really test it. Because I don't I don't really feel you need to. You can always work it back from formula anyway, calculations, um, which give you a good idea if you then want to compare progress on meso to meso that type of stuff but yeah yeah for, 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 for a general I know, sort of yeah. point uh, I don't know I mean dif- difference of opinion I guess with a lot of people on that I just I don't know one one rep single, single one rep max just takes so much out of people like when they're doing true one rep max is like it's mm-hmm. almost like for me it just wastes wastes like a whole week of training to do it as well because obviously if you're going to do true testing you have to take like two days off before two days on after and then you're doing one session of like so little volume Oh yeah, totally, no. totally pointless if you're doing it for like just just general out of ego or whatever. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, back to yeah, sorry, what we were talking about. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> you, can um, you can obviously tell us a bugbearer man. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do something a bit heavier. So I personally quite like to hit sets of five. Uh, they're quite a nice number that I quite like lifting. Um, so maybe I'd do something like that. So say we're just doing like, I don't know, like a, an upper session. I might do set a heavier bench. Then I might do, I, I then attack the chest from a different direction. Um, so I'd do some, maybe some sort of incline type thing. I'd do that slightly higher reps around the 10 mark. Um, and then I'd do something else like a, a fly or a cable work or something like that. Um, slightly heavier. That way I've got three different rep ranges, covered all bases. I've got loads of metabolic damage at the end. I've got loads of um, pump at the end. So I feel good. Um, I feel as though I'm walking away from that bit of chest with a nice pump. So I feel like I've done something. Mm-hmm. And I've also hit some heavier numbers. So I'm a bit fatigued. 
and I feel good about myself because I've just smashed a new PB. Um, and then I'd move on to a different exercise. Um, I'd go for, I don't know, like back or something, or, or maybe do shoulders, or depending on how my, my, I've split my things up. Um, and then I'd move on to arms towards the end. If you're doing arms at, at the start, then you're a bit of a pillock, um, unless you have like absolute noodle arms and everything else on you is absolutely jacked. If you're trying to do a back session, say, and you've trained bicep first, how on earth do you expect to pull anything, even though you're not directly trying to work your biceps your biceps are still part of that pulling movement so if you're training your biceps first and then you're trying to train back you've just limited your back session because your scheduling and your periodization of exercises it was wrong yeah and i get uh, we'll, we'll talk on on this on the next one maybe because this is some stuff that we were going to cover weren't we but um i'm glad you said about the whole noodle arm comment because i was going to slightly disagree with you because i very rarely do arms ever than anything at the last minute um which generally does mean often they're the first things that get skipped um however this does i think it, from my opinion on that comes down to the probably the number one rule of programming and specificity if you want bigger arms put them at the start of your workout it's probably not a bad thing because one you'll probably make you will make sure you do them because they're first and two you'll actually give them the 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 most attention they need as in you won't half ask them at the end of a session. Um, mm. But I'm not saying that's going to necessarily grow or be the best uh, or the most optimal for the most well-rounded physique, but it will be the most optimal for then a priority, i.e. prioritizing yeah. your arms. Um, which is why you might, that's probably the only reason, the only way I would say you I would ever put them on the first bit. And obviously, yes, that might then hinder some of your other like pulling movements, like you said, if you're doing biceps or whatever. Um, but yeah, yeah. That might be a reason to put them first. I just thought I'd just counter yeah. it slightly. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'd, I'd attack muscles from different angles, different exercises, different bits of kit, just to get the different ranges of motion. Mm. Um, I would look at different rep ranges, so some slightly heavier stuff. Like I wouldn't go doing a lap pull down for five reps, but you know, I might do it for eight reps. Uh, um, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I would yeah. different different rep ranges. Make sure I get a bit of a pump at the end just because it makes me feel good. And you can walk out the gym feeling a lot bigger than when you went in. Yep. Um, so I guess the take-home point of that is like, for the most part, rep ranges don't matter. Um, like, we, uh, we obviously had a slight chat before we started recording it where we said like, well, actually, as long as you're within a sensible range, and that sensible range is pretty fucking big. Because obviously the the data, well, we used to basically think that you'd have to stick within like specific rep ranges for whatever your goal is. So the kind of this rule of specificity again. So if you want to grow muscle, it's the 12 to 50 or, I don't know, 8 to 50. Oh, sorry, sorry, yeah. yeah. It, it, was, it was, do you know where that's come from? GCSE PE. Mm-hmm. They teach you that. I don't know if you remember back to those days. Um, no, that's a long time te- ago, mate. That's like 50 years <laughs> they, ago or something. It was only last year for me. Um, so they teach you that. If you want to build if you want to build your strength, you do naught to six. If you want to build uh, your muscles, you do like six, or was it naught to eight? I can't remember. Um, that was like six to 15 or whatever. And then if you want to build endurance and 15 plus, what the fuck are they talking about? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, I mean, obviously it's like, oh, four, I think a lot of the, 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 the courses or the articles or a lot of information people right now is like strength four to six, power five to eight, and um, hypertrophy 10 to 15 or something and actually i think they're a lot wider than that um and also it's not like oh my god i've done nine reps so i've suddenly gone from a power workout to a hypertrophy workout 
it doesn't really work like that. It's kind of like they very much overlap and it's a continuum. It's not one thing. So essentially, it's more like rep ranges don't matter. But obviously, if you have specific goals or, you know, this rule of specificity, you want to spend more time within a certain rep range depending on what your goal is. So if you want to get stronger, then obviously it makes sense to you to spend more time doing the lower rep ranges, whether that's, you know, you know, we just said about one is probably a fucking stupid idea, which I still think it is for most because, you know, the, the the actual stress and damage and the fatigue that then will bring just means you're not going to be able to do a lot of the stuff that we need, i.e. enough mechanical tension, i.e. volume, because you're just fucking going to ruin all of your joints and connected tissues just trying to do max one RMs all the time. But, you know, like threes, fours, five, six reps on, on some stuff. Um, I think you want to spend a bit more time in the rep range that if strength's your, um, your goal, Albeit, I think you did make this point anyway, mate. Um, I would say if, or certain movements specifically won't be conducive to like lower rep ranges. Like, let's be honest, you're not going to be doing a 2RM on a lateral raise. That'd be some ugly form. Yeah, you know, like some, some movements, some isolation movements specifically, uh, more so than, than compounds. So compounds obviously use multiple joints and multiple muscle groups they tend to allow you to lose, lose a lot more weight. But obviously, isolation moves like a bicep curl or um, even a leg extension or, like I say, things like involving your shoulders like lat raises, they're likely to be quite low, quite high rep and quite low weight, low intensity, um, because they're just suit, suited for that type of stuff. They're just not suited for heaviest, heavier work. Like, you're not going to do a, or some people will, but you're not going to do a fucking stupid, like, 2RM bicep curl again because it's just, you know, you're going to ruin any joints that you have. Uh, left and you're obviously going to not be able to produce enough volume or metabolic stress so you also lose the tension as well if it's an isolation exercise like brett said you know you do need to be doing the higher reps because you want to be focusing on that tension you want to be focusing on things like squeezing and the, the slower eccentrics things like that whereas if it's a compound so using multiple joints multiple muscles then you can do heavier because yeah. you've got kind of more going into it yeah I, uh, think, I think obviously although there's still an aspect of like compound movements versus isolation which none of them are actually true because even in a true isolation move like a bicep curl there's still other groups in play like you don't just use your bicep doing a bicep curl like use your anterior delt um it's impossible not to in some way you can try and minimize as much as possible but you're always going to use some other form of muscle even if they're stabilizing muscles to you know you could say like um I think of a good example of something I don't know like a a cable row you obviously you're using lots of different back muscles but you obviously also got to use a lot of your core and your hip flexors and stuff to try and keep your um upper body tight and keep it static so it's not like you're even though you're doing isometrics on them more so like basically holding the muscles rather than um loading them and and obviously watching a you know a, a, a stretch contraction what's the word I'm looking for Anyway, yeah, you know, basic stretch shortening, that's it. So you're not going for a stretch shortening, shortening cycle on some of the muscles. You're still using them, so you're starting to hold them still. Same with like bent over rows, you know, obviously you're, you're using your lats, but you're also doing, using a lot of your lower, your lower back to obviously hold your uh, body in position and that type of stuff. So like no, no, like loads of movements basically use multiple muscle groups. So even like true isolation ones are not solely one muscle um, as much as people like obviously like to call them isolation. They're not really in reality. Uh, just compound moves to obviously very much use more than one joint and have lots of lots of more muscle groups and i think because of that just generally means that people can't use that mind muscle as much because obviously it's like it's hard to focus on a you know like doing a squat say uh, are my quads working 
I'm really trying to trying to use my, my muscle, my quads, when you obviously you also use some glutes, some calves, um, even a tiny bit of hamstring, that type of stuff. Um, it's a lot, you know, even like you're then also using, your, you should be then obviously, again, contracting your, of, um, what's the word, uh, putting tension for your lats and um, your scapula and, and obviously just trying to even hold the bar on your back. So, so there's just so many muscle groups that come into play that you, that's, that's why I think like, the point you're making around isolation moves and people trying to use their mind muscle and really focus on tension, you can't do that so much with compound moves. So a lot of the time you just have to just use pure strength, pure, um, lot heavier weights. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Long, long ramble to get to that point, but mm, hopefully, yeah. I made, hopefully I made it and it was worth it. Yeah, and everyone's still awake. And everyone's still awake. So um, <laughs> anyway, so rep ranges don't really matter. Stay within um, the specificity or the specific rep ranges to more so uh, on the whole so spend more time within whatever your goal is but if your goal is just growing muscle then be honest like it doesn't really matter too much you know you just but the main thing to do is just apply progressive overload with good form and progressive overload is obviously just making things um more difficult over time whatever way that whatever that looks like whether that's better form whether it's more weight on the bar whether it's more reps more sets so many different ways that you can apply progressive overload um, but it is just important because obviously I guess there's like the the said principles, uh, specific adaptation, uh, intensity. No, uh, why don't I know what this stands for? On oh, my days, I should. This is like... well, you're looking that up. I suppose just a very very quick point on. We said we keep mentioning rep ranges. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But it does to a degree because if you're doing reps, like lactic acid is going to kick in before metabolic damage, before actual genuine fatigue. Yeah, sorry. Um, but... I yeah, think I think so. as, I think at some point I started to say within a sensible range, and that just got lost. I think so. Yeah, um, yeah. I'd, just go on. I was going to say I'd probably definitely keep it below thirty. Um, yeah, I, was gonna... I would go below twenty. Really, I don't program anything unless it's a drop set, and it's like so you do one set and then you drop the weight and go go again. Um, I, I don't program anything above twenty reps. Yeah, me 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 neither personally. I think the research has shown that like volume matched. You can get the same kind of hypertrophic hyper, response um, from doing like a 30 rep set compared to a six rep set, say. Um, I think anything over and above that is where you start to see diminishing returns. But again, I think practicalities, I think if you're doing 30 reps, you probably could do it better. Um, just even, even purely down to the time, you know, because the first 20 reps you're doing on a 30 rep set, you're not achieving much fatigue or doing much. You're just kind of getting to a point before you then start to exhaust them so it's kind of like the that's almost the first 20 reps of the pre-work where the 10 reps then start to matter whereas actually you could achieve that a lot earlier by just doing a heavier weight and doing yeah. better reps in my opinion like i just think it's silly to yeah, do yeah. that high totally. some people some people like it some people just like lightweight i, sp- I suppose that like, i've often thought sometimes certainly through um certain times where like maybe life's a bit stressful some people can go to the gym feel really kind of quite like anxious about stuff like i've done that i've gone to a gym and session and thought fuck all heavy back squats let's say today and been like quite anxious about getting on the bar because mm. i think fuck you know this actually makes me feel a bit like nauseous because i'm like i'm now got to lift this shit and it's actually really heavy so sometimes thinking actually just taking away of the bar and doing high reps can be useful but i still think 20 or 30 is a bit a bit on the high side in my opinion even yeah though, even though research shows you can still grow muscle but there you go. Um, I think like if, if you're really tired and run down, that sometimes like you know when you know when you put in a session off because you know you've got a heavy leg session, we'll just do slightly lighter weights and just lower the, lower the weight a little bit, lower the weight by ten percent and increase the reps by ten percent. Yeah. There you go, volume matched. Yeah. 
So obviously that whole specific thing. Um, okay, for strength, that that's not necessarily like. And, and obviously, as a one, if if you, all, all your training isn't like that, then obviously it's not really going to affect strength. One session changing like that is not going to really make a lot of difference. But um, it's just comes a lot of this all always comes down to specific and obviously specific adaptation to imposed demands. Why I don't know why I couldn't think of that at the time. So I guess obviously the principle being that your body's going to adapt to you know whatever specific specific demands you place on it. Um, and this is where progressive overload comes in because obviously your body will adapt to that specific that specific demand. Um, but obviously if you don't continually push that demand on, it will just adapt to it and then you know not adapt anymore. So it's kind of why you also have to increase volume over time. Um, that being said, and I suppose actually considering we're now what an hour and eight, uh, we'll round up after this. But um, that being said, you can't continually push volume forever because you know after you're training for a year and you continue to push volume, how long are your gym sessions going to be? Because you keep on doing more reps and more sets. You can't, there's only so far you can go. So you do have to take periods of lower volumes to kind of almost resensitize or reset and then go again. So um, this is why like training is really simple in terms of you know lift heavy weights lift more over time but this is where the annoyances really become quite complicated and where sometimes like having a coach program for you can take all of this thought out because sometimes a lot of people can get really kind of really bogged down by the details of oh my god how many reps should i be doing how many sets should i be doing am i doing enough volume how, how do i keep this what progression model do i use how do i progress over time am i doing it right is my form right and all of a sudden that can become really loads of things for people to think about and yeah, and not that we're trying to sell coaching again, because we're not, but I can just appreciate a lot of people might listen to this episode and think, wow, what the fuck were they talking about? When in reality, we've probably made it sound more complex than it needs to be. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what? When I first started out, I was like, right, okay, I kind of know what I need to do with my nutrition. I know what I need to do in the gym. It was more the programming. Um, I, I needed help with the programming. So when I got my first coach, I obviously had the nutrition support for basically somebody telling me what I needed to eat and when um but I paid for coaching on top of that so quite often you can do it as like an add-on service I know that's kind of how, how we do things yeah. um but I paid paid for the coach the training coaching as well because I wanted somebody to just say right lift this this many times in this order and that's just what I wanted just to take the full process out of it and then also it stops you from going right okay I'll do this session oh but oh he's doing that exercise maybe I should do that exercise then you change it again the week after then you change it again the week after and then you change your rep range you're like well, how would you expect to make any progress if you're not progressively overloading what you're doing and if you're just chopping and changing every week yeah exactly no exactly that so cool hopefully uh, people enjoyed it been a bit different than obviously kind of talking more training than the nutrition because i've enjoyed it i really like talking about training and obviously i'm by no means an expert um i would definitely say my nutrition knowledge is is better than my training knowledge but that being said i really like training i really like like doing it so um that's why i like to chat about it yeah we all love a bit of training yeah yeah obviously me more than you clearly because you're training like once a week and i'm training like five times a week but yeah, but, 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 I like to talk about it still. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You need to talk about it. I've watched, actually, I've watched Pump and Iron. I've watched Generation Iron 2. I've watched a Ronnie Common documentary. Um, I've got Thronin, which I think would should be quite interesting, um, which is obviously about Rich Thronin, the CrossFit uh, athlete guy, like the world's fittest man, apparently. Um, yeah which you know you could argue Ross Edgley's the world's fittest man ridiculous <laughs> um, 
Those uh, CrossFit things are mental. Yeah, they are. Um, what else? Icarus, obviously, I watched. So I've watched loads of like performancey, bodybuilding type of stuff of late, which is more TV than I've watched probably the entire year. <laughs> so, to be fair, and it is ridiculous. Ever since I got Netflix, sign up for Netflix, in about two weeks, I've watched so many fil- like documentary films on sports and performance. The Eddie Hall one's all right. Um, there's the C.T. Fletcher my, one. Yeah, I don't know if I can bring myself to watch Eddie Hall one after his it, it, debacle. Yeah, it, this is old though. This is before he became an absolute whore for sponsorship. Yeah. Um, the yeah, C.T. Fletcher one's actually quite good. Yeah. Um, it's more kind of personal family and about him nearly dying and all that. Um, Oh, I'm trying to think. I quite like all the crossfitty ones. I've watched all of those. Quite old though. They're like from like twelve and thirteen and fourteen, like those kind of years. I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they are quite old. Um, oh, what else? There's there's quite a few of them now. They seem to have boomed a little bit over the last twelve months. Yeah, there's um, there's loads more. Like there's one like physiques. I can't remember what it's called, but it's basically like people trying to attempt to get the perfect physique. Um, that is shit. Honestly, it's the most frustrating thing. Do not watch it. It's back in the day of when like Chris Cook used to do Mister. Uh, sorry, uh, like the, the Olympia with physique. Um, Steve, Cook? Steve Cook. What did I say? Chris Cook. Sorry, Steve Cook. Uh, Jeremy Buendina. He's still doing it but this was when he first came into it Sadiq have a whatever he's changed class now but it's all of them and it just shows how retarded they are it's it's literally so painful so so painful I might watch it um, just, just for the comedy value yeah I did it and I just wanted to like talk about it on Instagram and yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's painful um, then there's another one um, oh, what is it now where it's two brothers and they talk about steroids and how one of them was on gear for a bit and then the other one because he went on gear it meant he became homeless or something and yeah there's like it was kind of more the downside to it and, and stuff so I can't remember what that one was called yeah. well why yeah. look out for that right well it's been, been a lovely yeah. chat mate hopefully you've really enjoyed it as I say um, if anyone's got any questions or thinking like well I don't know what you guys talked about I need more clarification on stuff get in touch and we'll do a more structured or roundup episode maybe but if not the next one we'll talk about a bit more kind of like how to program maybe or um some of the main other rules so we obviously talked about more the the mechanisms of of hypertrophy more today haven't we whereas we can start talking about things more like specificity progressive overload um you know that type of stuff maybe the volume and intensity relationship that type of stuff yeah things people can relate to a bit i think today was probably quite science heavy without meaning to be um yeah, so a lot yeah. to think about. Right out though, if you think these boys are talking absolute waffle, um, my oh, swinging we bicep kills. Are, we, we, yeah. we were to be fair, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but if you're thinking my swinging bicep kills are the shit, uh, then try out what we say and um, see how it impacts your training. See if it feels any different. See if it feels any harder. Um, yeah. Uh, if you do, if you have any questions though, and you want to obviously get in touch, message us privately or go to the No Nonsense Nutrition Facebook group get yourself in there and just ask questions in there people ask questions every single day yeah. so we absolutely love it and, and also a big shout out um because i don't uh, i'll be honest I, I, I probably shouldn't i don't want to give away actually um because uh it seems maybe like he's a, he's quite private regardless but we did get a message off one of the listeners um basically just saying how much these podcasts have helped him on his journey of losing a he didn't say how much actually did he but a shed ton of weight like loads um 
trying to find the message now to see if I can kind of go for it. Here it is. So basically just said like, um, he's 41 and three years ago decided that he wanted to get in shape after being overweight for 20 years. And, and he's basically gone through 20 years of yo-yoing, getting into bad habits, loads of real bad binges, and then trying to eat super clean. And then obviously the social guilt with it. But he basically said, however, listening to our podcast, he's adopted a more realistic approach of eating and seeing far better results now. Um, and have no more crazy binging and purging. So just wanted to reach out to us and say how much he really appreciated the, the kind of the, the help and the, I suppose the level of knowledge that we're giving him. Which I, I kind of like was taken aback and just like when we get messages like this, I really don't think people understand how much they mean. Like it, it literally makes my entire like week when I get a message like this to say like, you know, I've really helped one person. You know, it just means so much for people to just take the time to actually speak to us because you know, I, without bit feeling big headed, like I'd like to think we've helped quite a few people, but when someone actually takes the time to just kind of drop us a message and say how much has helped, it literally does mean everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's nice, like, when you, because um, you don't necessarily see these things as they're happening, and it's more kind of people then get in touch with, like, results and things like that, and they'll mm-hmm. say, oh, you know, thanks to you, you, it's, I, I suppose we don't, I mean, there might be people who have started their journey with us and obviously haven't got to the end and don't want to share and all that, but it's nice when, like, Melfridge is a prime example. So her journey had been going on for three or so years, um, and she, obviously got in touch about halfway through her journey and then we did lots of like my free challenges she did some of my paid groups and she's just been kind of you know a, a, a follower a, a lifelong follower in the sense of triple n lifelong um so the 12 months or so that we've been going a bit longer um and, and she sort of said right you know i've hit my end goal i did half of it kind of on my own but and then i did the half of it thanks with to you guys you know the quite often the latter half is the most difficult part because it's where things plateau and start to stall and slow down you lose motivation all that sort of stuff so it's great to then see those things and you're just like wow yeah you know what we, we kind of we help there um she's got really and, really shit choice of cereals though <laughs> um, yeah. she said mate, she said she said mates were too sweet like fucking uh, honestly sweet too like if 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 you're listening you know who ed's talking about I still think you've got a touch of orthorexia. I'm sorry. Like, no one says, fucking mateys are too sweet. They're ridiculously good. I think you're broken up, Ed. There is no there is no sound. There's a quite freeze there. Sorry, I froze. Yeah. Yeah, I, froze. I was frozen. I'm back. Anyway, nope. yeah, you are back. Yeah, let's go, let's go. <laughs> right, anyway, sorry, before I cut you off, just because I was so enraged by... By the serial choices. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's wrap it up then, shall we? Yeah. All right, mate. Well, been good. Um, stay safe and don't eat too much cereal. Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week. <laughs>